One of the great struggles we have here in the United States in the 21st century, I believe, comes from the conviction that we as people and as individuals can do most everything we need to do on our own and by ourselves. So many people, when you ask them if you can help them, even with some of the smallest things, like opening a door or carrying something to their car, will look at you and say, thank you, but I can do this by myself or I've got it, or the one thing that my older daughters say that drives me crazy, I'm good. In our culture and in our nation, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps is what we have been founded upon and shaped by. And so being totally independent has become our constant goal and our ever-occurring dream. The problem is, unless you live off in the wilderness of Alaska, or somewhere down in the wilds of the Everglades, there's really nothing at all any of us can really do independently and on our own, no matter how young, healthy, wise, or wealthy we find ourselves. My wonderful wife, Audrey, grew up, as all of you know, on a tiny island off the south coast of Ireland. Her father and mother landed on that island to create a life and a family on their own. But it didn't take long before they realized that they needed a lot of things they couldn't produce themselves, and more importantly, a lot of helping hands to assist them in making the most of the land that they had acquired on that island. So by God's blessing, Audrey's mother and father began building a team the old-fashioned way. Audrey's mother and father built that team by bringing seven children into the world, five sons and two daughters. And with every set of hands they brought onto that island, each quickly took their place to contribute to the work that was required. And aside from three of the Murphy children, they have continued to do all of that for most of their lives, even after the early death of their beloved mother. Over the course of that time, after succeeding in the goals their father set, they've all begun to set their own goals and to build their own lives and families on the island, always working and connected with each other. So to say to them that they have did it all on their own independently would be a ruse, and I guarantee you it would bring down the wrath of all the other siblings in the family. None of them would ever for a minute think, that they could accomplish the hard work that they've accomplished on their own. And that's been taught to them by their father and by their strong Irish Catholic faith. And so it is with us in our own homes and in our own jobs today. You may feel like you're a self-made man or a self-made woman who's managed to get by on your own and build your own job, home, fortune, or success. But whether we want to admit it or not, we constantly are depending on someone else to do something essential to get us to those things we work towards, the things we want, and the things we need. Whether it's the team of people that we work with, or a mechanic who fixes our car, or the JEA workers who keep the electricity on and the Wi-Fi running, or the garbage truck riders who pick up our trash each week, we have needs. We cannot get by on our own without so many things that keep our lives moving and comfortable, which means that the myth of independence and self-made success is just that, a myth. 
And beyond being a myth, the continued instilling of this belief that we can be our own masters if we just set our minds to it, try hard and believe in ourselves, also runs absolutely against the very core and roots of our Judeo-Christian faith. You see, in the beginning, in the early Christian church, the number one message that was proclaimed in both the Old and the New Testament was that God, our Creator, who loved us and made us in His own image, was the one and only force that could ever bring us through the challenges and the struggles of life, saving us from sin, temptation, failure, and inevitably death. In fact, the whole point of faith in God through Jesus Christ was to give God's people one solid hard rock on which to hold on to and to hope and believe in first above everything else and to walk in light in the face of life's darkness. To believe in yourself for the early Jews and Christians was utter foolishness because our ancestors knew that no matter how good we might be, we were never without need of assistance and without a desperate longing and need for God. Today, brothers and sisters, we are falling away from the church, not because the church is failing. People in America in the 21st century are falling from the church because they are becoming more and more convinced that they have no real need for God anymore. We ourselves make ourselves gods. We have the technology, we have the medicine, we have the know-how to accomplish anything. And the old superstitions and stories of the old days are just that, stories and superstitions. We can just believe in ourselves, and if we believe in ourselves enough, we can do anything. The problem is, even with all we do have today, that is still never true. This past week, as I listened to the news about the new coronavirus that has come out of China, the strong, humbling truth of that fact reared its ugly head once again. And for those of us who live here in Northeast Florida, we already know what happens when a hurricane comes to us and gets too close, when the electricity goes out and the darkness falls, when the batteries die in our phones and in our computers, and when the St. John's River or the Great Atlantic Ocean overflows and breaks its banks. I was thinking about this over the course of this week and remembering about when Hurricane Irma shot across the Gulf and up across the northwest portion of Florida a couple years ago. Audrey and I, when Hurricane Matthew came through, had tucked tail and run all the way up to North Carolina to avoid it, but we decided to stay for Hurricane Irma. But we called up Pat and Elizabeth Dussinger here in the church and asked if we could come ride out the storm at their house because their house did not have a large oak tree growing over the roof like our house does. I'll never forget for the first time, and I know all of you who've lived here for a long time can probably remember this yourselves, but the first time you hear that r loud roaring sound of hurricane force winds that are coming in the night, I was remembering that sometime I got up and stopped trying to pretend I could sleep that night and walked into Pat and Elizabeth's front room and looked out 
their beautiful glass windows as the wind was pushing garbage cans down the street and blowing limbs into their front yard. As I looked out there, I suddenly began thinking how stupid it probably was for me to be standing in front of a big glass window during a powerful storm. I was suddenly aware of how that powerful hurricane force wind could bust through that window at any moment and cut me into pieces with broken glass. And right then and there, I had the profound feeling of just how helpless I was in that moment completely unable to do anything, no matter what great technology or medicine or the beautiful house I was standing in, I could do nothing to stop that storm other than get down on my knees and pray. And that's exactly what I did throughout the rest of the night. I prayed to God over and over again. This morning, brothers and sisters, we are hearing once again that great old story of Simon Peter and Andrew and of James and John, Jesus's first disciples at the beginning of his ministry. And we know that these four great men were fishermen because the gospel of Matthew tells us that Jesus finds them casting their nets and working with their father on the boat. I think there's probably no question, no matter how many thousands of years ago that it was, that these four men were living and working on the Sea of Galilee and probably doing very good in their lives in that moment. They probably made a living at fishing. Maybe they were quite independent and had their own boats. At least they had the boats of their father. Maybe they made a good wage and were self-made men in that perspective, taking care of their families with ease and comfort. Yet when Jesus appears... And he calls to them and he says to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men or fishers of people. They don't look up at Jesus and say to him, no thanks, we got this. And even though I suspect that they certainly could have, they don't look over at Jesus and say, we're all good. I think Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John already knew and they had seen how quickly the winds of life on the Sea of Galilee could change or the nets could come up completely empty or the boats that they'd made with all their skill and by their own hands could fail and begin to sink. They knew that what Jesus was offering them to do was something greater something more important than anything they could do themselves on their own. And so they stopped believing in themselves and they started believing in Jesus. And they left everything and they followed him. And the Bible says they went with Jesus throughout the Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Brothers and sisters, that's the promise that Jesus continues to make to each one of us. That is, if we will stop believing in ourselves and start believing in Him. Yes, there's no question we need to do our best. Don't hear me the wrong way. We have to try hard. We have to set our own goals. We have to work with what God sits in front of us with everything we have. 
But if we only trust in ourselves in doing that, we're setting ourselves up for failure. It's just what sin does to us as human beings. It causes us to fail. It leads us to despair, and essentially, it will destroy us. But if we trust in God, if we believe in Jesus, if we let go of self and begin clinging to the Father, then maybe, just maybe, we can follow Jesus and we can find ourselves singing along with that great psalmist in Psalm 27 this morning who declares to all of the people who will follow after God that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Let us follow that great light. Amen.